The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me. Today we're talking about your brain on porn, understanding internet porn addiction. Now, porn has been around for a long time. Why are we talking about porn addiction now? What makes internet porn different and addictive? We are very fortunate to have Gary Wilson as our guest today. Gary Wilson is the author of Your Brain on Porn, Internet Pornography, and the Emerging Science of Addiction. He is the presenter of the popular TEDx talk, The Great Porn Experiment, which has been viewed more than 9 million times and translated into 18 languages. Gary hosts the website, Your Brain on Porn, which was created for the thousands seeking to understand and reverse compulsive porn use. In 2015, Gary Wilson received the Society for the Advancement of Sexual Health's Media Award for his contributions and public public education on pornography addiction. Gary donates all the proceeds from his book to raise more and more awareness of Internet porn's unprecedented effects. Gary Wilson, it is my great pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Hey, it's great to be here. Okay. Now, Gary, you're a science teacher. How do you happen to begin researching Internet porn? Well, yes. I I taught anatomy and physiology and pathology for years, and it's really my wife's fault. I met her many, many years ago, and uh, she had a website that she put up a long time ago. And on the website, it had articles about the neurobiology of falling in love, the neurobiology of orgasm, of sex, etc. And it had a forum, and it was mostly couples talking about their relationships. Then in 2006, something strange happened. Men started showing up on my wife's forum and uh, posting about their porn-related sexual problems, such as the inability to orgasm or the inability to uh, get an erection. At least they thought porn was a problem. She says, what are you doing here? To this day, we don't know why, but maybe Google, as it does, put together certain keywords that were in some of these articles, like uh, ejaculation, orgasm, dopamine. Anyhow, her site was non-religious, I'm non-religious, and these guys started posting and helping each other, and I guess Google archived them, and more of them showed up until her site filled up about 2008 with these men not only describing these problems, but more importantly, when they gave up porn for a while, some of these problems went away. Some of the sexual problems that went away were 
chronic erectile dysfunction, the inability to orgasm, escalation to porn that really didn't match their original tastes. And uh, so it was quite something at the same time that they uh, improved on their sexual problems or they healed, they saw other benefits too, you know, from concentration problems improving, social anxiety going away, increased confidence, on and on. I could list so many benefits. But the key thing is they were very distraught. They said, why didn't anyone tell us that porn could cause these problems? Some were even suicidal. So we felt that we needed to sort of build a bridge, a gap between what was actually happening out there with Internet porn and what the men were being told. So I put up my website, yourbrainonporn.com, in 2011. It got extremely popular very quickly. Interesting enough, I would follow the links back to where these guys are coming from, all these men's sites. None of them had anything to do with porn. And they were describing the same problems and same benefits And then I did a TED Talk, and it became very popular. So obviously, it's not really about me, but it's it's about this problem that is exploding and people, especially young men with sexual problems, looking for help. So that's the short story. Okay. Well, now people have been looking at porn, looking at Playboy forever. What's different? Why the problems now? Well, you have to think about uh, how the reward system works. So to give your audience a rundown, the reward system is a small primitive part of your brain, but it controls everything you do. You don't make a decision without it, and it's there. It gets activated for sex, food, falling in love, achievement, and novelty. Uh, novelty is important to mammals. It's the same reward system in all mammals because we need to look for new sources of food or something novel in the environment might be dangerous. Well, the Internet itself, and especially Internet porn, takes advantage of this circuitry in that, first of all, sex is the highest natural activation of the system. Then there's novelty, and novelty activates it. So, you know, we get stuck on Facebook and we're clicking from you know, post to post to post, and two hours is gone. We're doing that because we're getting little shots of dopamine for the novelty. Well, when you combine novelty, sexual novelty, clicking from video to video, that's quite uh, arousing. But you see, that's what makes Internet porn since 2006 different. In 2006, everything changed. The creation of the tube sites, before that you couldn't get streaming videos. Videos are way different than static pictures. They're more stimulating, and, of course, they co-opt and replace your imagination. So the guys describe clicking from video to video, maybe 20 of them, during a session or in order just to stay aroused. So it's this high level of dopamine with sexual arousal, with novelty. And here's the other interesting thing about the reward system. It's the searching system, the I want it system, so it also... Dopamine gets turned on when you're searching and seeking, and that's what you're doing on the Internet all the time. You're just seeking something new for another squirt of dopamine. Also, anything that causes shock or surprise can increase dopamine and arousal. And interesting enough, few people know this, but anything that causes anxiety can cause a jump in dopamine. It's one reason we like horror movies, but it can also increase sexual arousal. So uh, a user now can just click from something shocking, something anxiety-producing, something novel, endless, endless variety of porn, 
endless genres, and they can actually condition their sexual arousal to all the properties of Internet porn. And you really couldn't do that before 2006. It's almost as if they engage in it physically and neuropsychologically different. What you're describing in terms of their activity of clicking and moving and the antidotes, the, the antidotes, the um, the examples and the men's words in your book really do show how it becomes almost torturously arousing as they wait for one more picture or the right picture. So they become immersed, Gary, it seems, in a way that was not the case with a magazine or even just what was online before 2006. Right, so you think about, you know, before the Internet and all a 13-year-old boy would have, what, a centerfold? So what could a 13-year-old boy think about? He could think about maybe feeling her up. He had no idea what sex was, but he got aroused by that, plenty aroused. Now, the 13-year-old's imagination isn't the centerfold. It isn't the girl sitting next to him in math. Instead, his imagination is completely uh, replaced by hardcore streaming, usually violent, misogynistic porn. So it really conditions his arousal in two ways. First of all, this is how I should do sex. I'm going to mimic this with my girlfriends. Right. Or number two, it's this is what turns me on. And so what, does, what is it that turns him on? Not only could it be these acts, whether it's gangbangs or rapes or God knows what, but it also is the delivery system, the need to constantly click from video to video, from genre to genre in order to be aroused. And that doesn't match real sex. And so when the young guy gets with a partner, he can't click her to change to a new porn star. And so he he may have problems with arousal. Now, one of the interesting things that you bring up in the book is that in some ways the teen is much more vulnerable, not just because he has not been sexually active, but because his brain is in a different place than a 50-year-old man. Yeah, so there's been lots of brain studies, both on animals and in humans, over the last 20 years. And there was this old model, and the old model was that uh, an adolescent's brain is just uh, a brain that hasn't learned as much. But that's not the case. It's actually physiologically different from both the child's and adult's brain. And this occurs in all mammals, evidently, from the studies. And what you first have is an imbalance of power between the reward system, that is, seeking thrills, and the more rational part of the brain, which is the frontal cortex right behind the forehead. So that imbalance of power actually must have an evolutionary purpose, otherwise it wouldn't occur in all mammals. And what is it? Well, it increases risk-taking, it increases sensation-seeking, and what it did is, They think it fired up the animals to go out and leave home to explore and to go seek new partners. And and this really helped uh, prevent uh, inbreeding and to set up new territories. So that's why you have an adolescent just, okay, I'm going to go out and just do this crazy thing. I'm going to go out and party all night or I'm going to, you know, without thinking about it. Because the second part, besides this overpowered reward system, is that the adolescent's frontal cortex, the think about it, the think about the results of your actions, contemplation part of the brain, 
isn't fully developed and doesn't get fully developed until age 25. So you can think about the adolescence as being a, a car with a Ferrari engine and having, you know, Ford Escort brakes. It's just going. And what's interesting, too, is they found out is not only does the adolescent brain squirt out a lot more dopamine for a novelty and for whatever it finds exciting, uh, but it is also more sensitive to dopamine. But at the same time, the adolescent has a lower baseline dopamine. That means they're like, oh, man, I'm bored. I'm bored with homework. I'm bored with this. I'm bored with my parents talking to me. But as soon as they get you know, a Facebook like or a Twitter feed or a new page on Pornhub, they get a much bigger blast of dopamine. So there's this huge disparity between what's going on in normal life, it's boring, and the new and novel and exciting thing. So the Internet really takes advantage of this, not only in porn, but in Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for teens. And let's consider, um, I just did a blog on this, it's not a matter of if they'll see t- porn, it's a matter of when they'll see porn. The average teen is on for nine hours, uh, <laughs> and 70% of kids have come upon porn sites quite innocently. But that being said, we also know kids share and send sites, links, etc., to each other. I think the great trap for well, there's traps I see for both are um, men as well as teens. But when you think of teens, the trap to me is if they're really kind of innocent about sex such that they haven't had actual partners, the thought that you're going to turn into James Bond by watching all of these is really quite a trap because as you show and discuss in the book, the translation from Hardcore porn, streaming porn, to knowing what to do with a partner is a very big gap. Well, it's a huge gap. And, you know, I want to back up a little bit with the adolescent brain and just mention that, you know, the human brain actually shrinks after age 11 and gets smaller. So what's going on is during adolescence, this period until age 24, uh, you're pruning the connections between the nerve cells. And the connections between the nerve cells are everything about us. There are our behaviors, our impulses, our memories. So what is the purpose of that? Well, it's to become more efficient, but it's also to produce habits and, importantly, memories. And, of course, what's the most important thing for any adolescent male or female to learn? And that's about sex because they need to reproduce. That's evolution's number one priority. So they're, they're learning about sex, for years, and they're pruning their nerve connections about sex as they watch porn for years before their first kiss. So it's sort of like this old, um, uh, there's a rule of the brain. Those nerve cells that fire together wire together, so they're firing together uh, the arousal and everything associated with porn with their sexual circuits, their innate sexual circuits that need to be shaped and molded. And so these are being molded during adolescence. And as you were saying, well, how are they molded? Well, this is how I should be. I should have erections for two hours or I should, you know, want to get gross, enact, you know, these things on porn. This is what girls like. 
And this was sort of played out in a study from a couple of years ago in the UK where they, they kept asking teens about sex. It was a survey, and anal sex came up. So they decided, okay, we'll, we'll do a separate you know, study on anal sex. And what they found is that both the males and the females, there was a tremendous increase in anal sex. It's related to watching porn, and neither the male nor the female enjoyed it, but they felt compelled to do it. The females, you know, the 18-year-olds, females expected to have it done to them, even though they knew it was painful. The males coerced the females to do it, even though they knew it would be painful for the females. So that's a big change, and that's just one example of a big change. I think it's such a good example of the distortion of intimacy and the whole idea of relationships and steps toward intimacy in our culture, in a Me Too culture, to not give young men or women the kind of steps that go before interaction, that is, what's consent, what's verbal consent, what's nonverbal consent, when is yes, yes, um, how is it to wait, what does it mean to flirt, none of that is offered them in in the porn situation such that they really they really can't use this as a learning tool and more importantly you're suggesting and the research is suggesting it's not so easy for them to come off it and find themselves um, comfortable and functional with real life people yeah you know backing up to this consent idea Absolutely, you know, and that's what's really discussed a lot when we talk about porn is, you know, consent, consent from the female, consent maybe from the male. But what's missing in this is that both the male and the female are growing up in a porn-saturated environment. They are watching real people have real sex for all of their sex education and their sexual arousal. So the female thinks this is normal. The male thinks this is normal. So, of course, the female would consent to what both of them think is normal at age 16. So this idea that we need to teach them consent is one thing, but they're like fish in water. You know, you ask a fish, what's water? And they say, I don't know. Well, the adolescents are in the water of a porn-saturated environment. And so consent for what? Consent for anal sex? Well, of course, that's what's done. Consort you know, consent for gagging, why should there be? That's what's done. That's what's normal. So they first have to understand what's normal. And this is really, um, we're going to take a break, and this really brings us to the question of how parents intervene, how, you know, adults who are responsible for youngsters intervene, and how do we help them deal with what will obviously come on their screens because it's on every device, but is not exactly, as you say, the water they may want to swim in. We're going to take a break. We've been listening with to you've been listening to Psych Up Live with Gary Wilson. Gary Wilson is the presenter of the popular TEDx talk, The Great Porn Experiment, and the author of the very important book, Your Brain on Porn, Internet Pornography, and the Emerging Science of Addiction. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever given any thought to what is behind your insurance coverage? Many of us don't think of it as more than that premium you pay on a regular basis. Of course, until you actually need to use it. On CYA with Rhonda, you'll learn to cover your assets and find out what all of that insurance mumbo-jumbo really means. If you're looking for a lucrative career option, Rhonda Lukey will explain how to get into the insurance business. Listen live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Gary Wilson, presenter of the popular TED Talk, The Great Porn Experiment, and the author of Your Brain on Porn. And we were speaking about teens getting hooked into the porn, the sexual porn mentality, which really leaves them both emotionally, psychologically, and physically trapped. Now, I know in terms of women, young women, they're very thrown to see only perfect bodies on the porn sites. And so, of course, their body doesn't quite measure up. As, As Gary mentioned in our last segment, the assumption is this must be what men want. The assumption is this must be how I should dress. So it's a very skewed message, certainly, that the young women face. Now, the young men, in even a more physical way, get quite trapped. And Gary, I wondered if, as an example, you could read, you have many, many um, excerpts from those who have gone to your site, the the expert of a young man who did get caught in um, porn and what he describes is the problem in coming back to life with a real partner. Well, I'm not sure if I have the right one. Here's, uh, I, I found one. I have so many, but uh, I'll just read this. Uh, and this is really about a young man who just realized that he had a problem, which is not unusual. He's, he writes, I'm 25 now, and I've had high-speed Internet access and started streaming porn videos at age 12. 
my sexual experience is very limited, and the few times I've had sex have been total disappointments, no erection. I realize that I've been conditioned to the point where my sexual urges are deeply linked to a computer screen. Women don't turn me on unless they are made 2D and behind my glass monitor, end quote. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, the other one we'll just add to it is you, the young man says, alien is the word I'd use to describe how I felt when I tried to have sex with a real woman. It felt artificial and foreign to me. It's like I've gotten so conditioned to sitting in front of a screen jerking it that my mind considers that to be normal instead of real actual sex. So, I mean, they're really pointing out the the problem that they face when they get addicted. Yeah, and what we noticed, so, you know, back in 2008 when these guys started to show up and they would heal from their porn-induced erectile dysfunction or other problems, they were primarily men in their 30s who did not grow up using Internet porn and, or 30s and older, some 40s and 50s. And often they would heal in about 8 to 12 weeks and their healing was stable. They would get erections. They felt great. They were finally attracted to their wives or girlfriends. Now, as things started to go to 2012, 2015, now in 2018, we're finding that young men who grew up using Internet porn, the streaming tube sites, they need much, much longer to heal their porn-induced ED than the older men. They may need six months, 12 months. We've seen some as long as two years. And their healing is often unstable. What that means is if they go back to porn for a bit, then they really are set back for months. And here's the key part, as described in these quotes, is many of them, unlike their older counterparts, need to retrain their sexual arousal to real partners. They need to start thinking about real sex uh, with real people as they masturbate. They need to get with real partners. They need to touch. They need to kiss. They may need to date for a while. What a concept. It <laughs> often takes them a while, and some of them, who actually quit for a long time and could never really get aroused with a real person, the only thing that did it was what we call the rewiring, retraining the brain to become aroused. And this, again, points back to the adolescent brain, its purpose, which is to wire up to sexual cues, sexual environment, and how, you know, they just really didn't do that during adolescence. It's such, it's such an important um, piece that you just shared as you're saying, and I used this analogy when I was thinking about it. So <clears throat> if you were an ice skate champion when you were a kid, you have a neural pathway for that. So that at 45, even if you're really not so crazy about getting back on the ice, your brain, ha- it's familiar. Well, these kids don't have a, a neural pathway. So I can, I appreciate, and I want our listeners to understand, they almost have to create the normal with a real partner neural pathway because there's none to go back to. And so it's certainly possible, and maybe it's part of the importance of speaking about it, is that they don't give up because it, it of course, can develop, but it just might take longer in in the work to reverse um, the Internet porn addiction. Right. So what they've done is they've trained their brain to, to be a watcher, a voyeur, and to this constant novelty. And the key thing is none of that matches real sex. So when you get with a real partner, you don't get aroused. And why is that? Well, sort of go back to the reward system and dopamine. When you have 
unconscious and conscious expectations and they're not met, your dopamine drops. For example, if someone tells you, oh, man, that restaurant is the greatest, had the greatest meal ever, and you go to it and your meal's okay, but it wasn't great, your dopamine drops because your expectations was it was going to be the greatest meal ever. It wasn't that you had a bad experience. It just didn't meet your expectations. Well, dopamine is behind erections, behind arousal. So, you know, real sex is, you know, interaction and touching, and it's a single person. And you're trained to being alone and voyeurism and constant sexual novelty, and it's a mismatch. Right. So now let me speak about one other trap that I've observed clinically with folks, uh, and then we're going to ask how it is that you consider this an addiction. The other trap that I've experienced working with folks is often with um, older men, middle-aged men, who for whatever reason... Um, They might travel for work, they may have been deployed in the military, or they've they've just dealt with a divorce and so they're out there on their own, and they come upon and begin to use porn and to view porn. And then when they actually go online, meet someone, and have a sexual experience, they have real problems performing. Now, sadly not knowing perhaps about what we're talking about today, the impact of Internet porn, to reassure themselves that they're okay, they go right back to porn, the voyeurism and the self-arousal, and they seem okay. So they are completely puzzled as to why they're having such a problem. Some say it's age, some think about medications, but I keep thinking what a shame it is if they're not aware that part of the trap has been conditioning to internet porn and going back to it to try to reset, you know, their sexual functioning with a woman is really not the way to go. Well, it's absolutely not the way to go, and and they have to give up porn entirely. And not only porn, but they have to give up what I call artificial sexual stimulation. That means they can't go on Facebook and click from picture to picture. They can't replace it with still images. They and they need to not recall porn if they're going to masturbate. They need to, if they do masturbate, think about being with a real person in what would be non-porn scenarios, just vanilla sex. A man under 40 should have no trouble getting an erection. It's very rare. And this is what he needs to do. So we think about all the Viagra commercials, and we think that erectile dysfunction is sort of common. But if you go back to before the Internet, uh, Erectile dysfunction rates for men 40 and under were consistently 2 to 3%. That means 97 to 98% of guys were just fine 40 and under. What are the rates now? Well, I did a, a review of the literature with U.S. Navy doctors that was published in a peer-reviewed journal. So we looked at it, and several studies found that the current rate of erectile dysfunction in men 40 and under ranges from 14 to 35%. Wow. One of those studies was on men ages 16 to 21, and 27% of them had ED, and 24% of them had low libido. Think about that. A 16-year-old with low libido. I never heard of such a thing in my day. So there's been a tremendous change in what's going on, and it's, it's like the the story of the frog in boiling water, and it never gets out because you slowly increase the water to boiling. Well, that's what's going on now. 
Viagra is normal. ED amongst young people is normal. So we think that's normal. That's not normal. That's not how it's been. So it's important for people to understand that. Mm, I'm so happy that you shared that. So let's take the next step and ask, how do we see this as an addiction? What is it about what people are reporting and what we have found in terms of the many who are clicking on your site for help suggests addiction? Yeah. So uh, first thing I want to preface this is, you know, there's this common thought that you have a porn addiction or you're fine. Well, that's not the case. You know, the effects of porn use are not binary. Obviously, you can condition your arousal to porn. You can become less interested in your partner. There's all sorts of negative effects of porn, and many studies correlate multiple emotional, cognitive, relationship negative effects. In fact, every study, 55 studies on males, have found uh, higher porn use correlating with poor relationship and sexual satisfaction. So, and that wasn't on addiction. So we need to preface this. What is it about these guys that showed up? Well, what showed up is, first of all, addiction is the inability to control use despite negative consequences, the compulsion to use, cravings. And they had those, but they also had withdrawal symptoms, severe withdrawal symptoms that would sometimes mimic drug addiction, anxiety, depression, inability to sleep, uh, restlessness, sometimes physical symptoms, body aches, headaches. Uh, many of them report what they call the flat line, which lasts for months, where they have a complete loss of libido. They have no desire to have sex once they give up porn. So there are many, many withdrawal symptoms, which indicates that the brain has changed. Another big thing, and there are several studies that support this, is what's called escalation. So if you think about an alcoholic, uh, they need more and more alcohol to get the same buzz. That's called tolerance. That's a form of escalation of use. Well, what happens with Internet porn users, they don't necessarily use more, though they might, but they escalate to new genres, more shocking genres, more anxiety-producing genres in order to increase dopamine, increase uh, adrenaline, which also activates the reward system, and that's how they escalate. So there's not only anecdotal reports, huge anecdotal reports of many porn users escalating, but there are now studies, in fact, one from last year, a couple of years ago, found that 50% of regular porn users, not even addicts, had escalated to material they've previously found disgusting mm-hmm. or uninteresting. So... That's the signs uh, and symptoms of addiction. What about brain studies? Well, there's been 38, and they're listed right on the front page of my site, 38 neurological studies on porn users. Every single one of them has found brain changes consistent with the addiction model. So you may see articles out there, and you'll see a lot of them say porn addiction isn't real. They're false. They all cite a single study called Prowse et al., which many other papers have said falsely claimed uh, about, had false claims about its findings. And so all the studies have found that. Now, here's the big thing. The World Health Organization puts out a diagnostic manual of diseases, including mental diseases. It's putting out its new version called the ICD-11. So that's those are the codes that everyone all over the world uses to bill insurance companies. Well, they've got a new, uh, new diagnosis called compulsive sexual behavior disorder. So finally, 
there's going to be a place where people with sex addiction, porn addiction, cyber sex addiction can be diagnosed. So it's real. So contrary to the media, obviously there's evidence or the World Health Organization wouldn't be giving us a diagnosis for porn and sex addiction. So between the 20,000 who click on your site seeking help with real symptoms and the recognition through these scientific studies, it's really coming to the forefront that this truly is addictive and people suffer from it as they do from other addictions. Yeah, because people don't realize you're not really addicted to cocaine. So if you take cocaine, what does it do? All it does is it increases dopamine and I'll just call it adrenaline in the reward system. You are only addicted to really your own neurotransmitters in a sense. So morphine increases dopamine in the reward center. And so what does sex do? It increases dopamine in the reward center, as does novelty. In fact, the level for sexual arousal while watching porn or having sex is equal, the level of dopamine, equal to that of morphine, equal to that of nicotine. So you can become addicted to your own chemicals because that's the only thing you can become addicted to. Look, gambling addiction is already in the DSM. Internet gaming addiction and gambling addiction are also going to be in the ICD-11. And sex is the highest level of dopamine, higher than gambling, higher than gaming, internet gaming. And so, of course, you could become addicted to porn. What's the difference between sitting around for three hours clicking on a gambling site and making bets and clicking on uh, all these porn uh, tube sites, all these different videos, and masturbating? The difference is with masturbation and sex, you have much higher levels of dopamine and you have innate circuits that are being shaped by these high levels of dopamine. Gambling, there aren't innate circuits. There are for sex. So, of course, Internet porn addiction exists. The uh, science is always slow. The funding for these studies is really minimal. But it's coming out, and it's supported, and the ICD is going to have a diagnosis for it in a few months. Well, it's certainly highly addictive from what you're saying. And one thing that I know that you mentioned to me in, in emails um, is how years and years ago, you know, we were giving kids cartons of cigarettes and people gave each other cartons of cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So no one really knew really how dangerous smoking was. And there's something like that going on now, which is one of the reasons we're speaking about it today. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Gary, I would like our listeners to hear what are the kinds of strategies that you offer in the book and on your site, the steps that help people reverse this reboot and move away from porn addiction. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Gary Wilson. He's the presenter of the popular TEDx talk, The Great Porn Experiment, and the author of the important book, Your Brain on Porn. Stay with us. We have more information that's important that's coming. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio. Live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Gary Wilson, the author of Your Brain on Porn. And we're going to speak now about how do we reverse a internet porn addiction? What type of approaches people use and how do people find help? Gary... How do we reverse internet porn addiction? Well, you know, we talk about addiction, but I just think uh, about reversing any of the negative effects because many of the guys, uh, thousands upon thousands, who describe the benefits describe that they are not addicted, meaning they don't have withdrawal symptoms and they can quit easily. So we don't know the effects of internet porn use until we take a timeout and a timeout of at least 60 to 90 days. And then you can see the effects, because I've seen lots of men, married men who use porn maybe two or three times a month, and yet they saw huge benefits in their relationships and their outlook on females and in life in general just by quitting, and they were not addicted. So uh, the effects are not binary. As far as giving it up, let's say if you do have an addiction, you know, there's no one way. On my site, I have... Uh, what's called a rebooting a page, which has lots of links to all sorts of advice, all sorts of articles, all sorts of experts. And I also have a support page where you can go to many, uh, many, many, many resources. Some people need a therapist. Some people need a support group. Some people need a 12-step group. 
some people don't need anything. So you have to really uh, gauge it for yourself, what you need. Uh, Our goal is, of course, we suggest to abstain from porn. Just give it up, you know, because, you know, people, men actually masturbated without porn before the Internet. It's hard for a young man to believe that, but that could occur. (laughs) So you can do that. And so giving up porn doesn't mean giving up masturbation, though some people do take a break of 30 days, 60 days from masturbation just to reset things. You know, for, for a lot of people, giving up porn is going through some of the pain of giving up porn and dealing with withdrawal, dealing with a little bit of emptiness, dealing with their emotions. Because what happens when people give up porn or any other addiction is a lot of the emotions resurface. In fact, one of the benefits is feeling more emotion, joy and sadness. So they have to deal with that. Uh, the other thing is you have to replace porn with reality, with really fun things. Get a life. Get a hobby. Go out and socialize. Join a group. Do something else. That's the most important thing one can do. Other beneficial things for all addictions would include meditation, Start with just, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but that can, over time, strengthen the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that inhibits the addictive behaviors and impulses. Other thing is exercise. Exercise also increases dopamine and strengthens uh, some of the impulse control centers. It also reduces stress. So aerobic exercise plus weights is probably beneficial. Getting out in nature getting off the computers, very important. And again, socialize, socialize, socialize. If you have social anxiety, find something that's structured like Toastmasters or some other club. Do something with people. If you're a young guy, go join a dance club, you know, whether it's tango or ballroom dancing. It's structured. Do those things. They make a huge difference. So those are some of the suggestions, but there's hundreds of suggestions, thousands of websites, it seems like, available. If you go to my site, your YBOP, and click on the support page or the rebooting page, it's right there on the front page. They really make sense because, as you've implied throughout the book and even some of the studies, there there really is a social isolation and over-focus on porn um, and as you say, whether it becomes an addiction or not, it's often replaced real life. So uh, these suggestions sound wonderful. One of the things, I'm, I'm a group person, so I was intrigued in seeing that many people join f- these online forums, Gary. Right. I wonder, do you actually lead the forum? What's the nature? If I'm a, if I'm a person listening and I'm thinking, maybe I got to hear about what other people are going through. What's the nature of the um interaction on the forums. Right. So my website is not a forum and does not have a forum. I'm a clearinghouse, and one of the places I clear to is the many forums where people meet and support each other, like Your Brain Rebalanced or Reboot Nation or NoFap.com, and there's many others, huge forums. Like there's one over on Reddit called Reddit. No fap, which means no porn, essentially. And they have close to 300,000 members. And on some of these forums, they have uh, accountability partners. They have special sections uh, for erectile dysfunction or sections for religious people. 
and they post back and forth. So it really is like going to a 12-step or a support group. And they use these uh, individuals as support. Sometimes they email back and forth. So I would highly suggest joining one or two of these forums and communicating with other people. It can be quite beneficial. Has there, and do you know of a forum or a, a virtual group for the girlfriends or the spouses or the lovers of those who are struggling to step away from porn? Because well, definitely the, the, there, several of these forums have special sections for the women, uh, specifically the partners of porn addicts. Occasionally it will be for women addicts themselves. And Reboot Nation, uh, Your Brain Rebalanced, and NoFap.com all have special sections for the partners of people who are trying to uh, give up porn. Now, one of the questions that um, comes up in your book on regaining control is the question, okay, I'm going to stop watching. I'm going to take on life differently. How do I know I'm back to normal? Yeah, well, every person has to really figure that out for themselves, how they're back to normal. Uh, A lot of times that original question came up with guys who had sexual problems. You know, how do I know I'm back to normal? So they would gauge it with their sexual arousal or their erections or their ability to orgasm during regular sex. You know, other things that are back to normal would be just having more pleasure in life. So that definitely is something that occurs. Some people would say uh, you connect with others more, uh, kisses feel better, the colors look brighter, uh, food tastes better cravings are manageable, so that'd be a big one, the ability to resist cravings. Some of the guys, as crazy as it sounds, some of these teens and some of these 20-year-olds, they don't get nocturnal erections. They don't get what's called morning erections. So they start getting morning erections after two to three months. Uh, so that might be part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might, their depression might lift. They, uh, they might think better. Their social anxiety might Reduce flashbacks to porn might reduce, uh, and of course, the number one for a lot of the guys, especially when it comes to sex, real sex becomes more enjoyable. So there's lots mm-hmm. of different signs. Now, in in all of the research that you've done, the valuable um, work that you've done, actually for for everyone, have you come across anything that really surprised you or informed you in a way you didn't expect? Hmm. Well, I don't know about the research because the research is can't really describe reality. I mean, that's a problem of science itself. But what really surprised me was what I mentioned before is a 22-year-old guy needing two years to recover and get a decent erection with a beautiful young lady in front of him. Mm-hmm. Me who's in my 60s, who grew up in the 60s and 70s, cannot imagine such a thing being possible for a 22-year-old or even a teenager, the inability to get aroused. You know, our problem back then was getting aroused too much. So this is something that is still hard for my brain to wrap itself around. Mm, It really underscores, um, I, I asked you during the break, are you saying that your porn is neither good or bad, but that the way it's delivered now is simply too dangerous? 
Yeah, well, it's think about, uh, let's use a different analogy. So, you know, very few animals and animal studies or humans get addicted to the drugs they take. So let's say about 10 to 15% of alcohol users ever become alcoholics, even if that much. But, but that's alcohol or that's cocaine, and that is not what your reward system was set up to get activated by. Now let's look at something else, a supernormal version of food called junk food, modern food, you know, McDonald's everywhere, you know, all this stuff which is concentrated salt, fat, and sugar put together. We didn't encounter this during evolution. And right now in the United States, you know, 70, 75% of adult Americans are overweight. 35% are obese. That's because of this unique stimulus that they have never designed to engage with. We we evolved on boiled venison and dried roots and raw nuts. So we, you don't see hunter-gatherers who are obese or even fat. So what we have is a supernormal stimulus, which is sexuality delivered, endless novelty, endless people, endless fetish, and now we're seeing the effects. So even though you can't say that this huge amount of Americans are addicted to food, you can see that they're having negative effects, they can't control their use, and they're overweight even though they don't want to be. And yet you don't see the effects so uh, readily of porn use unless you give it a break. It's so, such a great uh, analogy. It's so a great analogy. You have to understand, in fact, there was one study from Germany that looked at non-addicts and it found that the more porn use uh, they use, they had less gray matter in their reward system and they had less arousal to sexual images. So these weren't addicts. So we don't know how it's affecting us unless we give it a break. Okay. We're, we're almost out of time. I want to be sure people know how to find your book and find your site. Gary, would you share that? It's pretty simple. Yourbrainonporn.com. That'll bring you to the site, and at the top of the site, you can click on the book, and it'll take you to Amazon or wherever you want to go. You can get a Kindle version. You can get audio version now also, and, um, yeah, and the proceeds of it go to charity. And the site is non-commercial, and it has a massive amount of information, and it's organized pretty well. Okay. Gary, I want to thank you for being our guest today and for the work that you continue to do, the public education that teaches us and really informs us about the dangers of Internet porn for everyone and particularly for young people. Yeah, I want to thank thanks a lot. Okay, I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this show and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, on iTunes, on the app for your iPhone, on Sketcher, and many more. This will be a podcast by this evening. Drop me a line, a comment, or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. And until next week, please take care. Thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 